0: The following audio is from LifeHouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at
1: lifehousechurch.org.
0: When was the last time you went all in on a relationship? And let me clarify, I'm not just talking about those romantic relationships. I'm talking about those God-given, build-one-another-up, draw-close-to-him relationships. And that could be with a family member, a friend, a coworker, or maybe you didn't realize you had those type of relationships because you didn't allow them in beneath the surface. You didn't allow them to see the real you. In January of 2017, Nick and I found out that we were pregnant. We didn't plan on having kids. We weren't even sure if we wanted to have kids, but we found out we were pregnant. Instead of feeling joy and excitement we were filled with anxiety and worry but as the days went on I started to have this peace and we began to get excited and Nick started painting the baby's room and I started pinteresting decor and how we were going to do a gender reveal how we were going to tell our parents it was such an exciting moment A couple weeks later, I was at work just typing an email out, and I felt this sharp pain, and I knew something wasn't right, and so I rushed to the bathroom, and sure enough, something was very wrong, and so I walked to my mom's office, and I looked at her, and I said, I'm pregnant, or I was pregnant. I don't know, but I need you to drive me to the doctors, and so She drove me to the doctors and we get there. They see me right away and I walk right into the exam room. They're asking me questions and they're doing all these tests on me and then they all leave. And a short while later, the nurse comes back in and she looks at me and I could just tell by the look in her face when she says, I'm sorry, but you just had a miscarriage. At that moment, I felt this emotional pain, of physical pain. I felt my heart fall completely out of my chest. I went from being filled with anxiety and worry to be filled with joy, and now I'm left with pain and confusion. She begins to ask, you know, we can do other tests. We can make sure you can carry a baby full term and we can do this. And I just look at her and I said, am I gonna be okay? She's like, yeah, you'll be okay. I said, well, am I free to go? She said, yeah, you're free to go. I'll get your papers. I got my papers. My mom drove me home. She, she asked me if I needed anything, if I, if I needed dinner, if I wanted to talk about it. But I didn't. I didn't wanna talk about it. I wanted it just to be a dream, and I knew if I talked about it to her, it would become a reality, a reality I didn't wanna live. And so I started to just isolate myself, isolate my emotions and my feelings. Maybe you can relate to that feeling you've gone through something, you felt that pain, and you feel like you're all alone. You want to isolate yourself because you don't wanna put a loss on someone else. You don't wanna put that burden on someone else because you know other people are going through some of the same things you're going through. And Instead, we keep it to ourselves. want to think about someone who pushed people away in the Bible. I'm reminded of a woman named Naomi. You see, Naomi and her husband Elimelech and their two sons, they moved from Bethlehem into Moab because there was a famine in Bethlehem. So they moved to Moab and a short while Elimelech passes away. The two sons remarry Moabite women who we know they weren't supposed to marry, but they marry two Moabite women and they're living their life and then the sons pass away, leaving Naomi and her two daughter-in-laws Ruth and Orpah alone in poverty, helpless, who once were dependent on them to provide. They're now alone, not knowing where to turn. And so Naomi says, you know what? I'm going to pack up. I'm going to go back home to Bethlehem because I heard the famine was over. And Naomi looks at her daughter-in-laws and says, I want you to stay here in your country. I want you to remarry. I want you to have more children. I want you to live your life. And in Ruth 1, 11 through 13, it says, Naomi says to them, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you want to wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. How many times do we push people away instead of inviting them in? Why? Why do we do that? Is it because we think we can handle it ourselves? You know, Ruth saw Naomi and her faithfulness, and her love, and Naomi introduced Ruth to God. Ruth looked to Naomi like her own mother. So then Ruth goes on to say to Naomi, Ruth says, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. So when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. You see, Ruth, she needed Naomi just as much as Naomi needed her, but Naomi couldn't see it yet. And there's this African traditional philosophy called Ubuntu. And it explains how we're bound to each other in humanity. And it's translated as, I am because you are. I am because you are. And it describes the sense of unity between people in which we discover our own strengths and our own virtues and I just love this because Ruth and Naomi they had this type of relationship they were there for one another Naomi was there for Ruth and Ruth turns around and is there for Naomi she goes back with her she is all in she is there for her and so this morning maybe you're thinking well who's my Naomi who has poured into me who has influenced my life who has shared the strengths and virtues in me And when I began to ask myself this question, it didn't take very long because the person who has influenced my life the most is my mom. And she continues to influence my life. You see, after realizing that I had a miscarriage, after finding out I had a miscarriage, she was there. She would text Nick, my husband. She would text him to see if I was okay. She would bring us dinner. She would pray over us. She would bring me in lunch to work. She'd bring me my favorite specialty drinks because she didn't want to see me continue to slip into isolation, into a place that was completely unhealthy. Who is your Naomi, who has influenced your life. Maybe it is your mom. Maybe it's your grandma. Maybe it's a foster parent or a step-parent, or maybe it's it's a friend that God placed in your life. Someone who says, keep running, keep on going. God loves you. I'm here for you. God is here for you. Someone who picked you up when you were at your lowest point in life, when you didn't know where to turn, when you didn't know What to do? Who is that person that influenced you the most? And when we read the full text of Ruth, Naomi in many ways paved the way for Ruth. Naomi paved the way in in leading her to God. Naomi paved the way for Ruth in leading her back to Bethlehem. And then Naomi paved the way in introducing her to her late husband's cousin named Boaz. You see, when the women returned back to Bethlehem, the other women looked and they, as they saw Naomi, they said, look, there's Naomi. And Naomi looks at them and says, no, call me Mara because the Lord has dealt with me so bitterly. I lost my husband, I lost my sons, I have nothing left. I have no family left because God has dealt with me so bitterly. And then we begin to read in Ruth four, check this out cause it's really cool because we can see how God works in the blessings when these women remain faithful to him. You see, the women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer, you see, Ruth and Boaz become husband and wife, and then they have a son named Obed. It says, may he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. And then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. And the women living there says, Naomi has a son and they named him Obed. And he was the father of Jesse, the father of of David. And Naomi took this young boy and drew him near because she was given the honor and favor of nurturing her grandson. God restored Naomi's family. God loved Naomi so much that he restored her family. God loved Ruth so much that he gave her a person like Naomi. And God loves you and I just the same. And if we're gonna go all in on our relationships,
2: we need to choose to love. And when you decide to choose to love, it can be difficult as Pastor Kayla has shared how difficult it was for her. And for those of you who are unaware, or maybe you're wondering, why do we just resemble each other? It's because Pastor Kayla, she's my daughter. And this time was difficult for me as well as I, I lost my first grandchild, but I also recognized that I was losing my daughter. And when you choose to love in a relationship, it can be difficult. It can be messy. It can be exhausting. But when you choose to love in a relationship, it can also be the best thing that you ever experience. And Pastor Kayla, she has two best friends and they shared everything, but not this one thing. This one thing she isolated and she hid. And maybe you're here today and you have isolated and you have hid something maybe in your present or maybe it's something in your past and you've hidden because you're afraid if you share it that you're going to be judged. That someone's going to look at you and say, you deserved it. You brought it on yourself. And as I look at Ruth and Naomi, they have so many choices in this story. And so many choices when they can choose to love. Pastor Kayla has already shared with us about this journey and how while they're living in a foreign country, Naomi loses her husband and then her sons, they they take two Moabite women to be their wives. And the problem with this is, is that Moabites believed in gods, plural. Naomi and her family, well, they believed in the one true and living God. And as this story continues, it gets a little worse before it gets even better. And in Ruth, One, starting with verse four, it said, after they had lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilion also died and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. And when Naomi had heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. They had lived there 10 years together. Naomi pouring in to these two women. And now these two women, they're widows as well. And they're all alone. But Naomi, she chooses to take these women back with her, back to Judah. When you choose to love, then you need to go all in. Naomi, she was willing to go all in with these women even though now they're hurting and they need support. And when we choose to go all in in a relationship, it doesn't mean that we become like them, but it means that we become Jesus to them. And as Kayla isolated herself, I had to find the ways to to show her that she was loved, that she was cared for, and that God was in this. And this is what Naomi is doing She's choosing to go all in with these women. But as they're on this journey, she begins to think and wonder, is this the best thing for these women? When they get back to to my hometown, who's going to accept them? Will anybody want to marry them? They're Moabite women. So, Ruth, so Naomi stops in this journey and she addresses her daughters in law. And beginning in uh, Ruth 1, starting with verse 8, it says, Then Naomi said to her two daughters in law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and wept aloud. And they said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi, she urges them a second time. No, no, I want you to go back to your family, to your people. I really want you to find a husband, another husband. And Orpah, she kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth says, no, I'm staying with you. I'm not going back. And Pastor Kayla, she read those verses to us in Ruth 1:16 through 18. I'm not going back with you. I'm staying here. Because see, if you're going to choose to love, then you need to put others first. Ruth chooses to put Naomi first. Naomi had chosen to put these women first. She was willing to take this journey alone. This would have been a seven to 10 day journey on foot. It had been treacherous. It had been long and hard, but she was willing to do it alone. But Ruth says, no. And we, as Pastor Kayla read those verses, Naomi, Ruth says, your people, Naomi, they're gonna be my people and your God, he's gonna be my God. And we put others first sometimes people will begin to look at us and question us, why? Why would you put this woman first, Ruth? She is bitter. She is a widow and she is poor. And sometimes people ask us that, but the truth is we all need a Ruth. We need someone who will come into our life when we're at our weakest and lowest point to help lift us up, to care for us, to love on us. But more importantly, we need to learn to be a Ruth to others, to put others first, to put those who are hurting and those who are lonely and those who have lost their hope first. And maybe today there's a relationship that you need to put first. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a child, maybe it's a grown child that you need to pick up the phone and call or maybe it's even your relationship with Jesus that you need to put first today. As Ruth puts Naomi first, it doesn't go unrecognized. There's a man by the name of Boaz, and he's the field owner that Ruth now works in as they're back in Naomi's hometown. She's there and she collects the grain to help provide for her and for Naomi. And Boaz comes to Ruth and he says to her, he's like, hey, Why don't you just stay here, work in my fields. And if you work in my fields, I'm going to protect you. Now I can only imagine the look of shock and surprise on Ruth's face. I can only imagine what her emoji icon might look like as she would tell her friends about this. But we find her story and we see her answer. In Ruth chapter two, beginning with verse 10, she asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner? And Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your mother and father and your homeland, and you came to live with a people that you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Ruth chose to put Naomi first and it did not go unrecognized. But this story, your story, my story, it's not about the recognition that we receive, but it's the recognition that we give and whom we give it to. Boaz, he sees God in this story and he asked God that, would you, would you reward Ruth, for her kindness, for how she has put Naomi first. But Boaz, he was more than just the man that owned this field. He was also a close relative to Naomi's late husband. And this is very important because in that time, in that culture, if you as a widow wanted to sell your late husband's property, it had to go to your guardian redeemer. And a guardian redeemer was the closest relative to your late husband, and he could purchase the property, and he could also lose his own inheritance as it could become part of the late husband's property. So Naomi, she has his property to sell. Boaz goes into town. He goes to find this man to be the guardian redeemer. And we pick this up in Ruth 4, where he says to the garden redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative, Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of my elders, of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me. So that I will know, for no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it. I cannot do it. This original guardian redeemer, he wanted the land. He wanted the property. Huh. But when he found out there was a package deal and it included Ruth, the Moabite, he's like, no, no, thank you. You can take it, which Boaz does. He purchases the property and he takes Ruth to be his wife. When you choose to, let, when you choose to love, then you need to let others in. Ruth was willing to let Boaz in and Kayla, she learned a very valuable lesson through her miscarriage about letting others in because when she did have her first son, she ended up with an infection in her bloodstream and the antibiotics they had her on were so strong, they just literally knocked her out and she would just sleep. She was unable to even care for herself, let alone a new baby. And her home had this revolving door of, of friends and family who came and they cooked and they cleaned and they cared for Liam. And she realized how important it was to choose love and to let others in. And Ruth does this. Boaz does this. Boaz lets Ruth and Naomi in to be, as becoming their guardian redeemer. Someone who was willing to sacrifice his own inheritance for someone else. You see, when you let God in your story, great things can happen. As we read that story and we read where Boaz and Ruth are married, they also have a son and they name him Obed. And Obed, he has a son and they named him Jesse. And Jesse has a son and they named him David. And we know him as King David. And he is in the lineage of Jesus. God rewarded Ruth and Boaz. He rewarded Ruth. She as a Moabite. She's on the, in the family tree. She is in the same lineage with Jesus. And each one of us, we need we need a guardian redeemer. We need someone who would be willing to sacrifice his own life. For ours. In the Apostle John, a friend and and follower of, of Jesus, he wrote this in his book of 1 John about God's love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. We cannot love until we experienced the love of God. God showed us how much he loved us by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And sin is anything that displeases God. It's things like jealousy and bitterness and judgment of others. And sin, well, it separates us from God and his love and it puts us on a path of isolation and destruction. But God, he loved us so much that he allowed his one and only son to face a brutal death so that we could receive God's love and that we could receive an eternal place in heaven. It is through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that we receive God's love and a new life. It is through our faith in Jesus that not only do we receive God's love, but it is by growing in our love for God that we grow in our love for others. And maybe you've never experienced this unconditional love that only comes from God. Before we can let others in, we have to first let God in, and God loves you. And the way that we experience his love is through our faith in Jesus. And maybe you've never placed your faith in Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Would you do that today? Would you pray and just ask God to come in and to forgive you of your sins, to come in and fill you with his love and to give you a new life? If you have made that decision today, welcome home. Would you let us know? There's gonna be a QR code on the screen. If you could scan that QR code Fill out the form. Your campus pastor is going to reach out to you. We want to help you walk out your faith with family.
1: Hey, would you guys take a moment right now? Would you give a big round of applause for Pastor Michelle, for Pastor Kayla? Really a a cool opportunity to have a mother-daughter preach and speak. And not just mother-daughter, but grandma Mom, speak within LifeHouse, and we're so incredibly grateful to have them on our team, to have them as pastors on staff within LifeHouse. And, and, you know, it's not just Pastor Michelle and Pastor Kayla, but women in our life who have a significant place in our families and our homes. But listen to me, not just our families and our homes, but within the family of the church within LifeHouse church. And as a result, as men, you have a unique role and responsibility in how you choose to love and go all in in relationship with God and how you care for and support the women that God has placed in your life and the women that God has brought into the church. Let me bring you back to the story of Ruth and Naomi and Boaz, right? You heard Pastor Michelle talking about the relationship between Ruth, And Boaz, so let me lean into that a little bit because I think there are some lessons, even on Mother's Day, for men to take away from this challenge. You could certainly take key application points from what Pastor Kayla and Pastor Michelle said about choosing to love and letting people in your life. But let me give you some very clear and specific challenges in how you choose to love in the story of Boaz's relationship or developing relationship with Ruth, some things I want to make sure you don't miss. Talking about a culture, a very ancient culture, where women, especially immigrant women, right? She, she's a foreigner and she's a widow, so she's the poorest of the poor, and an immigrant, and the the mindset of that ancient Near East culture is that women were uh, property, servants, or worse. And Boaz goes out of his way to create a place and a space where she feels provided for and protected. Now, this theme is consistent throughout the Bible, that it's unique in how God commands people, specifically men, who in these contexts had the wealth and the resources and the power, how they were commanded to treat women. And Boaz is an excellent example of that. Here is a wealthy landowner, a business owner, right? He's got a lot of people working for him. He's got multiple fields. And here is this this immigrant woman, widow, poorest of the poor, who's now, you know, gleaning in the fields. Now, many of you don't have a context for that. So in, in the Jewish laws, uh, farmers, which most people, you know, as an agrarian society, the command was to um, only harvest one time so that the leftovers were for the poor. People could come and they could pick up the leftovers. And so that's what uh, Ruth is doing. Boaz notices her and there's two things that he does right he he makes sure that there's extra for her to pick up so as she's gleaning there's a little bit more than what she would normally get and he says to her hey when you get thirsty you can drink from the jars that the workers have brought now that doesn't sound like a big deal but again in this culture in this context all right where um let me give you a little insight the, the workers are coming from the village and the town, in this case, the town of Bethlehem. So they all they all get together and they're going to walk to one of the fields that are way up in the hills. Well, on the way, they're going to pass a well and they're going to take big jars. They're going to they're dip it into the well or they're going to take buckets and they're going to pull them and keep fill all these jars, carry enough water for the entire day, which is gonna, it's just a lot of weight. And so the men, in this case, since they're the workers, were carrying these jars up to the field normally somebody who's a you know they're, they're poor they're a foreigner they got to get their own water so in, in the case where uh, Ruth is thirsty she either has to go all the way back to the village or she would have had to bring her own water with her but Boaz says no no, no. what you to know you glean whatever you want and You drink from the jars. So in this case, normally the women would do the work of gathering the water, right? Serving the men. And Boaz says, no, I want you to know that uh, in this case, you can drink from the water, meaning my men are here to serve you. There's a lesson for us as men. How are we creating the place and space to provide for and protect the women that God has brought into our lives and the women within the context of our community of faith. You choose to love like Boaz. When you choose to exercise kindness, and gentleness, and compassion, and like Boaz, who spoke life and love over over Ruth, right? He spoke tenderly to her, and so how how are we being challenged and encouraged to speak life, and to speak love over the women in our lives? Are Are you creating a barrier for the women in your life to pursue God, and God's purposes for their life? Or are you, like Boaz, encouraging them to become who who God designed and created them to be? Let me be clear. Do not get in the way of what God wants to do in the life of the women that God has put in your life. Don't be a barrier. Don't make it difficult for them. Women should not have to work harder or be held to a higher standard in the church than the men. We want to create opportunities for everyone to flourish in the church, to pursue God's call on their life, God's purposes for their life, and to become who God uniquely designed and created for them to become. Boaz affirms God's purposes for Ruth. He doesn't just provide. He doesn't just protect. He speaks life and he speaks love over her, not just for what he can get out of this, right? At this point, as he's affirming her, he he's not trying to court her. He's not trying to set this up so he can marry her. No, uh, that, that comes down the road later. This is a just a purely a compassionate desire to care for a woman. How are you affirming the purposes of God in the women that God has put in your life, in the young women, in the girls that God has placed in front of you? How can you help them grow in their relationship with God? How can you help them pursue God's purposes for their life? How can you create an environment where the women around you can glean and learn so they can grow to become everything God has designed for them to become? And how do we as a church create an environment where women can pursue the purposes of God for their life and have a platform where they can exercise God's call and God's purposes for their life? Let me be very clear. Interestingly, if you do uh any research on where the church is flourishing in the world today or throughout history, what you'll find is in every place and space where the church has had significant impact, it was because not necessarily because, but you'll notice every time, women were given significant value in the church. And I want to make sure that within LifeHouse, the men understand that your strength, your leadership, Your capacity to provide and protect is an opportunity for you to build up and strengthen the women God has put in your life. So happy Mother's Day to you women. We wanna take a moment, you know, challenging the men as well. Men, let's be leaders who build up, affirm, and strengthen. And now I wanna take a moment, just pray over each of you. God's calling us to choose to love, to go all in in relationship, to let others in to trust enough to allow people in our lives and to to be an encouragement and a strength to others around us. Let me take a moment and pray over you. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that in our areas of weakness, like Naomi, when she was in a dark place and dark season in her life, that you you gave her a Ruth who said she was gonna stick with her no matter what. And, And then Naomi was able to be a mentor and an encouragement to Ruth. And God, how you saw a Ruth and you gave her value. An outsider becomes an insider into the story of Jesus. And God, I pray that there be many women today who feel like outsiders. And God, that you were inviting them to become an insider into the story of Jesus. That their life matters and it has significance in Jesus. And they can be used for the purposes of God. And Lord, I pray that the men of Life House will become men who, who lean their shoulders into building up and lifting up and affirming and strengthening the women of our church. God, I pray that you be glorified. I pray that you be honored in and through Life House today. We thank you and we celebrate what you're doing in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.